Hello and welcome to Queen V, the life of Queen Victoria. My name is Donnie Hazel and I am your host. If you wish to support this podcast, there will be a link provided for you in the show details and it will be very much appreciated as it goes to help support the cost of maintaining the podcast and our website. With that said, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Queen V, the life of of Queen Victoria. Imogen Stubbs and Anna Massey star in part one of Young Victoria, a royal princess with clipped wings. Yesterday was my 16th birthday, and as each year passes, it seems ever more likely that I shall succeed my uncle, William IV, as sovereign. It really is quite remarkable that with so many uncles and aunts, no one has produced a male heir to the throne. The Morning Herald makes much of who shall succeed after William IV. The Duke of Kent, while only a fourth son, was in line of succession behind a childless regent, a childless and ailing Duke of York, and a Duke of Clarence, well past fifty, with a new wife of untested fecundity. Victoria does not, of course, mention the countless sons and daughters born out of wedlock and therefore disqualified. So all eyes turn to Princess Alexandrine Victoria, who, although lacking in stature, being a scant five feet, is at the very least legitimate. I don't remember Papa. He was Edward, Duke of Kent, who died when I was eight months old. It left poor Mama a widow for the second time, with three children to provide for, myself, my stepbrother Charles, and dearest Theodora, who I regard as a true sister and friend. Why such a long face? I feel rather tired, Mama. But, Victoria, last night's celebrations for your birthday were a triumph. Crowds from here at Kensington Palace all the way to the theatre. And my own darling daughter greeted with rapturous applause. And so much love. The concert was wonderful. Thank you, Mama. It was all very lavish, overwhelming. But I really must lie down. Well, you must finish writing your journal later in the day, whilst the events are still fresh in your mind. Yes, Mama. She likes to be with me when I write my daily account and all my letters. So I must have no secrets. I write to please her. And I am never left alone, day or night. I'm sure that dear Mama thinks it is for the best. She believes that I will come to some harm. And she is encouraged in this belief by Sir John Conroy, the controller of her household. I dislike him intensely, and his daughters. Mama won't see that he has too much power over her. And it alarms me. I feel so constrained. Oh, Sir John, last night was such a triumph. Your Grace? We should feel so proud of our beloved Victoria. It is entirely due to you, dear lady, that the princess has captivated the hearts of the people. Such cheering all along the route and a clamoring of people in the theater. She is already the popular choice. All the more reason, wouldn't you say, to be vigilant? Who could harm her now? Well, there are unscrupulous elements in the court. They'd stop at nothing. There are even rumors of poisoning. 
My decision to keep her away from the king and his circle is a wise one, then. Oh, such corruption. And all those illegitimate children. So far, Victoria remains unsullied by their loose behavior, and I intend that it should remain so. With her mother, and may I say your devoted servant as her guides, she will continue to be protected. To that end, may I humbly suggest that we gradually dispense with Baroness Leitzen as her governess and bring in someone who would be more in tune with our desires. Dash! Dash! Good boy, come here. Your Royal Highness! Oh, Letson, I'm sorry to trouble you, but I need comforting. I'm not well. But you were in such high spirits when you woke. Come, come lie here. <sighs> My head throbs. The palace is like a prison, everyone watching. I want to stay in here all day, all night, forevermore. Oh, oh, you poor child. I feel so troubled and anxious. Hold me, let's. Now, let me stroke your brow. Hmm? Imagine you are in some faraway place. Your house in Germany, <laughs> with its wild gardens and, and the duck. Wandering free, and your dear father, you were happy there. But a clergyman's daughter must find suitable employment. I'm so fortunate to have you as my governess. You will be with me always. Yes, madam. I still have the golden key to my magic garden, Mr. Moses Montefiore's garden in Ramsgate. My garden, for whenever I choose. A garden like yours, Litson, a secret garden full of bowers and hidden places. But no one lets me be there alone. Mm. Always someone watching, oh. hovering. I'll never have any peace. I'll never have any friends. Oh. Except you and Dash. <laughs> and my dolls. Over a hundred of them. Let me look at a couple of leads and oh, unpack yes. them, won't you, please? Oh. My sailor doll. He was so brave. A gallant hero. And here, the ragged girl, the orphan. Oh, listen, do you remember? <laughs> My beloved daughter is clearly recovered. Your poor mama was worried. And here you are, playing with your dolls. No. Oh, no. Merely remembering how they were my friends and how... Dash is now my friend, since I have no others of my own age. You have Victoire and Jane Conroy. They are delightful girls, a credit to Sir John. They're not friends of my choosing. I dislike them intensely. I'd rather unpack all of my dolls and play with them. There's no time for all this nonsense. The confirmation will soon be upon us. Yes, madam. I think my daughter should concentrate on her catechism. Mama has appointed Lady Flora Hastings as her lady-in-waiting. I am uncertain about my feelings for this newcomer. She is very critical of dear Leitzen, who I regard as the best possible governess and friend. But fortunately, we have an ally in the Duchess of Northumberland, whom the King has appointed as my official governess. She is well satisfied with my progress, and I know she gives favourable reports to the King. Mama is much concerned by plans for my forthcoming confirmation. But her very particular way of doing things will doubtless cause concern at court. It's monstrous. 
I am commanded by the king to communicate all my plans regarding the confirmation through the Duchess of Northumberland. His majesty has no right to interfere in a mother's wishes for her daughter. Even at her baptism, he wanted to change her name. He won't back down on this. Well, then, he should communicate directly with you, Your Grace. Or... Maybe you should ignore the command and make contact with the king through the Archbishop of Canterbury. And risk incurring his wrath? I think we need to show the court that we are not prepared to accept its ridiculous demands. The princess's welfare is paramount. And all we wish to do is protect her innocence and ensure that she is a fitting heir to the throne. What would I do without your wisdom, dear Sir John? I am always your servant. You must state... Precisely what you require for Victoria's confirmation. We will set it in print and deliver the document to the king through the archbishop. I rely on your judgment. But we won't let it rest there. I have other plans afoot, which will ensure that we have complete control of Victoria's future. Since I was nine years old, I have corresponded with my dear uncle Leopold. King of the Belgians. He is Mama's brother and the very best friend to me. He encourages me to take an interest in the world, particularly European affairs. And he quizzes me on my reading and on the political climate. I'm also learning through him how to think for myself, to strive to be true, to understand what is right. And of course, he has direct experience of court etiquette and all protocol. Although Mama prefers to keep me away from our court, I most certainly would know how to behave. Best of all, Uncle Leopold acquires the autographs of all the famous people he comes in contact with and sends them to me. Look! Oh, look, Lipson! Uncle Leopold has kept his promise. More signatures. Hassine, maybe, or... Oh, I'll fetch your autograph book. Quite soon we'll have to find you a new one. <gasps> this must surely be the most prized in my collection. Louis XIV, le grand roi. Uncle Leopold is the dearest man. Almost my father, don't you think, Lady? He is indeed, madam. And he is so wise. I will always listen to his advice. And I shall confide in him. Just as much as I confide in you. Here is a beautiful clean page for the King of France. Oh, yes. And we won't show Lady Flora. She shall not share our secrets. As you choose, madam. She is not to be trusted. I've seen her with the loathsome Sir John. She tells him all our doings. Her mamma won't listen to me. She thinks Lady Flora the perfect companion. She was your mother's choice. But you must protect me from her, Leitzen. And from him. The Duchess of Northumberland listens to us, I think. And so would Uncle Leopold. How I wish he lived nearby. We need all our friends. That is certainly true, madam. I appear to displease Lady Flora as much as I displease Sir John Conroy. They are both abominable creatures. We will have to be careful. I think you will be pleased to know, Your Grace, that I have perhaps found the solution to our problems. I pray that you have. There has been too much interference from too many quarters. I have drafted a letter to the King. It will, of course, require your approval and signature. I have suggested that since we are approaching the confirmation of the Princess that we should review her position. I'm intrigued. What do you propose? That her system of education should be phased out. At 16, she no longer needs governesses. So we remove the Duchess of Northumberland and Baroness Leitzen in one fell swoop. Precisely. Which would leave you, 
Me and Lady Flora Hastings in complete control. The Baroness particularly is an insidious influence, do you not think? Quite definitely. I sometimes think she turns my daughter against me, although Victoria would not countenance such a thing, of course. She loves her mama. And she needs your inimitable example to follow. I wish that the king was of the same opinion. Today I was confirmed. I awoke at seven and got up at eight. I gave Mama a little pin and drawing done by me in recollection of today. I gave Leitzen a ring, also in recollection of today, my confirmation. I was dressed in a white lace dress and a crepe bonnet with a wreath of white roses round it. I went to St. James's Palace with the firm determination to become a true Christian to try to comfort my dear mamma in all her griefs, trials and anxieties, and to become a dutiful daughter to her. Also to be obedient to dear Leitzen, who has done so much for me. But I discover from mamma, now that I am confirmed, that there must be significant changes. For example, that I should distance myself from Leitzen. This must not happen. That is not all. Sir John wants me to sign a document whereby he will become my private secretary when I become queen. So far, I have resisted. But I feel so isolated, as if no one is prepared to take my part. This has all contributed to my failing health, and I have been quite ill. God willing, I will have enough strength to keep saying no. In Young Victoria by Juliet Ace, Imogen Stubbs was Victoria and Anna Massey, the Duchess of Kent. The series also features John Rowe, Christopher Casanova, George Allenby, Adrian Lucas, Claire Corbett, Terence Edmund, Andrew Wincott, Selina Cadell and Thomas Arnold. And the producer is Cherry Cookson. Thank you for listening to this episode of Queen Bee, The Life of Queen Victoria. Remember, if you would like to support this podcast, you can look in the show description notes to find a link. Thank you. And have a great day.